to the Healthy Tips Podcast, produced by the Better Living Institute and sponsored by App Judo for your software needs, Bullet Pad for writing lists on your iPad, and also sponsored by our listeners. That's folks like you. We're Kira and Bill Van Ittersum, and today we're going to be talking about why restful sleep is crucial to your good health. We're pretty sure that most people would agree that problems do arise when you don't get enough sleep. However, depending on your age, we're not quite so sure that even most people would agree that good sleep is absolutely necessary for your good health. Sleep deprivation can affect the overall performance of your body and your mind, sometimes with tragic results, as the following story will illustrate. It was close to 1 a.m. on Saturday morning, June the 7th, 2014, as actor-comedian Tracy Morgan of Saturday Night Live and 30 Rock fame was riding along on the New Jersey Turnpike. He and his comedy team were on their national Turn It Funny tour and had finished a successful comedy concert in Dover, Delaware, just a few hours before on Friday evening. Now, he and his entourage were on the road again in their luxury limo bus driven by a professional chauffeur. That's right. And as the story goes, as the limo bus load due to construction, it was struck in the left rear by an 18-wheeler, allegedly speeding along at 65 miles per hour in a normally posted 55-mile-per-hour zone that had additionally been reduced to 45 miles per hour by signs, orange barrels, and cones due to road repair. The limo bus was spun around and it flipped over, killing James McNair, who was Tracy Morgan's comedy writer, seriously injuring Tracy himself, and Artie Fuqua, his show opening comedian, and two others, his assistant Jeff Malia and another comedian, Harris Stanton. The driver of the 18-wheeler, Kevin Roper, 35, of Jonesboro, Georgia, was allegedly sober at the time of the incident. But also, allegedly, he had joked on his Twitter account that he hadn't slept for the previous 24 hours. The driver of the semi is reported to have said that he didn't see the slow traffic until it was too late to stop his truck so he swerved left to avoid a crash. But, unfortunately, he did clip the rear of the limo bus. The police on the scene believe that the driver of that 18-wheeler, driving for Walmart, fell asleep at the wheel and awoke just before the crash, but too late to avoid it. The semi-driver, Kevin Roper, has been charged by New Jersey State Court with one count of death by auto and four counts of assault by auto. Each separate count of the state charge carries a prison sentence of up to 18 months, so the driver could spend from five to seven and a half years in prison. So many lives ruined from lack of sleep. Tracy Morgan now has a brain injury and may never return to the stage. His whole career lost. His friend is dead. His career is lost, and so are all of his relationships. The truck driver's life is in shambles. Whatever the outcome of the criminal case against him, he will have to live with his actions for the rest of his life. Yes. 
And the saddest thing of all is that this is by no means an isolated incident. Statistics collected by the National Transportation Safety Board show that in excess of 100,000 traffic accidents occur each year because of drowsy drivers. Many professionals feel that this number is much lower than it actually is because in many traffic accidents, drowsy driving isn't officially documented as either the cause of or the contributing cause to the accident. We found a very interesting website online while we were researching this topic. It's called End Your Sleep Deprivation, and it's sponsored by Dr. D. The writers Elizabeth Lake and Kevin Morton have this to say, Drowsiness can become sleep at any moment, and once it happens, there is no further warning. In sleep, you are completely blind and completely powerless. And this, my friends, is way worse than drunk driving, where at least an impaired version of your senses can guide you along. They add that this is by no means a justification of driving drunk, of course. Too many people are tempted to think that they know exactly when they are in the process of falling asleep and that they can prevent it from happening. Unfortunately, though, sleep just does not work like this. If the hundreds of thousands of people who have died from falling asleep on the road could tell you, they would. To make sure that you are never responsible for a sleep-related accident or a death, Make sure that you know the meaning of drowsiness is red alert. The stakes could not be any higher. Now, drowsiness is red alert is an online e-publication that you can download and read. So we at Better Living Institute really like this site, End Your Sleep Deprivation, and we invite you to visit it. The students who manage this website have this to say. Welcome. This site is continually being created by students of Dr. William C. DeMent's Sleep and Dreams course at the Stanford University. We made this site as a call to action for people all over the world to live healthier, happier, safe, and more productive lives by learning about their own sleep. We have faith that reading the information provided on this site will motivate you to be smart about your sleep deprivation and strategic about your alertness in order to live your life to the fullest, most energetic potential. In fact, we challenge you to do so. What do you say? Are you up for the challenge? Of course, we at Better Living Institute certainly are, or we wouldn't have done this podcast. We also invite all of our listeners to go to www.betterlivinginstitute.com and there click on Healthy Tips Podcast and then scroll down to this podcast, Why Restful Sleep is Crucial to Your Good Health. There, you will not only find this podcast, but you will find the website references that I'm mentioning here and several others as well. Well, when deprived of enough sleep, we do have trouble functioning. The traffic safety professionals also have the following comments to say about a sleep-deprived person who is behind the wheel of a moving vehicle. As we've just mentioned, but it bears repeating here, 
Studies have shown that drivers who are sleep-deprived are just as dangerous on the road as a person who's intoxicated. If you do drink, be aware that being overly tired will also magnify the effects of drinking. So don't get behind the wheel, even if you haven't had a lot to drink. As we mentioned earlier as well, the NTSB reported that sleep deprivation causes over 100,000 motor vehicle accidents each year. But what we didn't mention is they go on to say that 1,550 deaths, and that number is rising, occur each year because of sleep-deprived drivers. Often these numbers are just that, numbers. They go in and they go out in a blur. You might think to yourself, oh boy, that's bad. But you don't really feel it, really feel it, until you can feel it happening to you or feel the effects of you causing it to someone else. Now, we at the Better Living Institute do not wish this experience on anyone. And knowing all that we do about the power of attraction, we don't want you to feel this pain of someone you love being maimed or killed by a sleepy driver so deeply that you attract this experience into your life. What we do hope that you will really get it, that you will totally feel the need to be more responsible and not drive when you're sleepy. Just make a pledge to yourself. I won't drive tipsy and I won't drive sleepy. Here are some of the symptoms that definitely indicate that you are too sleepy to drive. You're daydreaming and having wandering thoughts. You can't stop yawning. You can't remember where you are or how you got there. You can't hold your head up. Your head repeatedly falls downward, and you must jerk it up again to stay awake. You're drifting from lane to lane on the road. You're having trouble seeing or focusing. You can't maintain control of your movements. Sounds a lot like driving drunk, doesn't it? Sure does. What happens while you sleep? This isn't a normal sleep, by the way. Your good night's sleep happens in stages. Your sleep is composed of repeating cycles of two different kinds of sleep. One kind is REM sleep, as short for rapid eye movement. This type of sleep is when you dream. And by the way, you do dream whether or not you recall these dreams upon awakening. Doctors suggest that dreaming is also a clearing and repair time for the mind and the psyche. Non-REM sleep is the second type of sleep, and this is when your body is physically restoring itself and repairing. The body itself repairs as it sleeps during the night. First comes your non-REM sleep, and then that's followed by a shorter period of REM sleep, and this pattern does get repeated over and over. As the cycles continue throughout your sleep period, your sleep gets heavier and deeper, and it also becomes more productive in terms of its benefit to your mind and body. In cycles of REM sleep, your heart rate and your breathing increases, your brain is more active, and your dreams may be intense. Adults spend about 20% of their sleep time in REM, whereas babies spend upwards of 50% of their sleep time in REM. Makes you wish you were a fly on the wall of their mind, doesn't it? What the heck are they dreaming of? (laughs) I don't know, but maybe they're thinking about dad. Yeah, that's it. (laughs) Or grandpa. (laughs) 
Most probably of you, it's mom. They're probably <laughs> dreaming about their mom. Whatever it is, they're doing it a lot. <laughs> Most of your sleep is spent in non-REM phases, regenerating the body. That's when the body's busy regrowing tissues. It's building bones and muscles and regaining and strengthening its immunity. Restful sleep is especially important for good hormone levels, weight control, and your overall mood. So how much sleep do you need? Well, there's no hard and fast rule, but the average is that infants need 14 to 15 hours a day in stages. Children should be getting at least 11 hours a day. Unfortunately, my granddaughter, the middle one, never sleeps 11 at one stretch. She's always popping up so early. So, And then waking up the others. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. We're not sure. And sometimes her behavior shows that, too. Teenagers need around eight and a half to nine and a half hours a day. Of course, we always joke about the fact that teenagers sleeping all day. <laughs> and adults need from seven to nine hours a day. Some need a little more or some need a little less. Pregnant women need several hours more sleep, especially in the first trimester of their pregnancy. But really, here's the bottom line. If you're drowsy or tired, you need more sleep. As you get older... Good restful sleep may not be as easy to achieve in one stretch, but seniors still need just as much rest, so short naps may be in order for them. We have six tips to help you get better sleep. Tip number one, experts say that maintaining a schedule is the key. The first suggestion for maintaining a schedule is to go to bed at the same time every day, even on the weekends. And boy, is that hard to do. <laughs> Suggestion number two is if your sleep schedule does get knocked off track, get right back on as soon as possible. Suggestion number three is to try not to nap during the day. If you can't stay awake, make it just a short cat nap. Tip number two to help you get better sleep is to create a pre-bedtime routine to condition your mind and body for sleep. Suggestion number one to create a bedtime routine is to tie up loose ends and things you might tend to worry about long before bedtime. Right. Wind down your evening with calm activities. So you can do things like try listening to soft music or write in a journal or Read a book. Hey, not the latest thriller or murder mystery. Come yeah, on. Yeah, no, the, that boring one. That'll put you to sleep. <laughs> you can't even hold your eyes open while you're reading this nonfiction, you know, all about the dictionary or something. <laughs> Practice deep breathing exercises or meditation. Take a warm bath or, as I like, a hot shower. Loving gentle sex is another activity that can be comforting and calming. Hmm. Sounds like we're ready for bed, isn't it? Are we ready for bed now? Hmm. Gentle love talk with a caring companion can also help you to rest and sleep better. You know, a feel-good movie, for example, Hallmark shows or maybe a light comedy or romance movie can also work here. That's what Karen and I use a lot of the time is the Hallmark Channel. So that can be kind of a stress buster after a long, hard day. Right. And finally, of course, the most important thing is to dim the lights and get ready for sleep. 
So no reading in bed. Just use the quiet and the darkness and let it help put you right to sleep. So tip number three is to make your bedroom a sleep room. Mm-hmm. That means avoid night sweats and chills by keeping your room at a comfortable temperature. And again, as we just said, keep your room dark. Darkness signals the brain to sleep. That's when melatonin is released. And of course, this goes back thousands and thousands of years because it's only been the last hundred or so that man has had artificial light other than candles or kerosene lamps to add light to the night. Mm-hmm. So during our days, especially cavemen or moving forward in agrarian cultures, we didn't have lamps at night. Very low flickering ones, if anything at all. So darkness, like for the animals, was a signal to button down and get quiet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we lead a different life these days. Now, here's a no-brainer. Keep it quiet, if you can at all. Now, I know some of us may live in noisier areas than others, so what you can do also is use a noise machine to drown out the noises that might jar you awake during the night. And as we were just mentioning during the last tip, use the bedroom only for sleep and sex. So that's not a place to do your work before you get to bed, to finish off activities from the day. It's not the place to read. Go in the living room and read. It's not the place to watch television. And I know this flies in the face (laughs) of so many. It was interesting because over a year ago now, we received one of those free flat screen TVs, not as big as our normal one, but a fairly good size one when we bought some new beds, actually, for the bedroom. So (laughs) the thought was, oh, we'll put it right up there on that wall. And then back to some sleep training that I received over the past, say, three years, I was kind of reluctant to do so because one of the first rules was no other activity in the bedroom. Right. Well, the whole idea is we're conditioning ourselves for sleep. So if you're watching television, you're lying in bed, maybe your mind is going to be thinking about what's on the television and you can't really get to sleep if you're not ready to sleep. And along with that, turn off other gadgets. So cell phones, tablets, computers, they don't belong in the bedroom. Anything that's a distraction, right. And anything that makes noise or light absolutely must be kept off. Your bed should also be big enough so that you and your partner don't disturb each other. Some people have separate beds. That's their decision, and they won't disturb each other doing that. Some people have a king made up of two twins that are pushed together, and that's a way to not disturb the other person. But whatever you can do, try to make sure that your bed is large enough that you don't disturb the other person if, in fact, there is one sleeping with you. Mm -hmm. Another thing involving something sleeping with you is that pets should also have their own beds, not yours. Ideally, they should even be in another room if they disturb you during the night. Now, we had a large dog, and we kept him in a, his own little tent at the foot of our bed. It worked out quite well because he was a really big guy. Sleeping with him would have been really difficult. And after he was gone, we got a little Dalmatian. She was about medium size. I'd say she was around 50, maybe 60 pounds. 
and plotty did she like to sleep on the bed. For a while there, we kind of indulged her and let her, and she would sleep between us, but she would always get up in the middle of the night and then do that dog thing where they walk around three times, <laughs> like they're mashing the <laughs> ground their tail. down outside in the woods or somewhere. And boy, she'd wake us up every time, and this was troubling. We wouldn't always realize it, but we'd sometimes wake up going, man, that I didn't sleep that well last night. So we eventually had to train her to stay off the bed. It was hard, Mm -hmm. and she was very insistent. But we finally managed to train her to use that little tent as well. Really was a nice place for them to sleep. We need to take a break for a moment to thank a sponsor. This segment of our program is sponsored by App Judo, your complete web and mobile application development service. The Japanese word judo means the gentle way. The martial art of judo got this name because it signifies maximum efficiency and mutual welfare and benefit. App Judo follows these same principles in all its software development projects, using the best technologies and computer science principles to serve clients' needs elegantly and intelligently. App Judo prides itself on building attractive and intuitive user interfaces that your customers will easily understand and love to use. Whether you want to design and build a new app or refactor and redesign an existing app, App Judo can help make your project a success. Visit AppJudo today at www.appjudo.com. Tip number four is to be careful about what you eat or drink before you go to bed. Big meals that are spicy or full of fat can affect your digestion and keep you awake at night. Alcohol also can initially knock you out, but later it interferes with your sleep and you'll wake up feeling tired. And because of its toxic effects, alcohol often makes you hungover in the morning. So alcohol as a nightcap is really not recommended. It's a bad surprise. Right. Uh, so you want to try to limit your daily consumption of caffeine. Oh, uh, <laughs> we know that's a hard one. And it, for Kira especially, that's a hard one. Right. I always, you know, really love to have some coffee, but I now try to not have it later in the day. If you know you're going to have sleep problems as a result of drinking caffeine, just lay off, you know, no exceptions, because sleep is far too important. So if you're a night sleeper and your bedtime is, say, between 10 and midnight, try to cut yourself off from caffeine by about noon. And absolutely the latest that you should have coffee or anything with caffeine is about 2 p.m. Remember, caffeine's not just an herb, it's a drug. And it's found in things like coffee, tea, chocolate, soda. It's even found in some of the medications like decongestants and some of the name brand over-the-counter pain relievers, too. So think you're taking an anison or an Excedrin and you're getting a little dose of caffeine at the same time. And you're primarily taking these meds during the day and sometimes just before bed to help relieve that little bit of stress or pain that you may be overindulged in your physical activities that day. So instead of just going off nice and easy, you're getting a little dollop of caffeine in there as well. They're doing it to stimulate you, to make you feel a little bit better while the pain is being relieved by their pain reliever drugs. So be careful. Watch the label. And if it's in there, then take something else. Right. And some people are more sensitive than others. I'm sure that you'll find that out if you try it. Before bed, choose light snacks composed of protein and carbs 
and some of them may increase the tryptophan in your system. Now, turkey is a good one for this, but people don't always have turkey around during other parts of the year unless they buy the sliced turkey. Also, a bowl of whole grain cereal or whole grain cookie with almond milk, rice milk, or coconut milk. And note here that we at Better Living Institute can no longer recommend animals' milk. This includes cow's milk, goat's milk, or otherwise. Now, we will cover this in another podcast, so please stay tuned. (laughs) I think a good snack for night is an apple or a banana with peanut butter or nuts. You know, it's a little bit of protein, but also a little bit of carbs. Whole grain toast is good, especially with a little peanut butter spread on there. And another favorite of mine is hummus and veggie slices. Now, we'll often eat these while we're watching TV. We're trying hard not to have a lot of calories while we watch TV so that TV doesn't become piling on of calories. But hummus and vegetable slices, or sometimes even hummus and apple slices, can be a nice little treat. Right, and generally just before bed. Also, I want to mention a number of people are choosing gluten-free breads and cereals and crackers, and I think this is much healthier for you, and particularly before you go to bed. You don't want anything that's going to disturb your sleep. Some people do have allergies to the gluten in wheat, in addition to the folks that have celiac disease that are actually have a toxic problem with wheat. So that allergy problem can disturb your sleep, and you might not know that, boy, it's just caused by that bowl of cereal. Mm-hmm. So if you go into gluten-free products, you will not have this problem no matter what. Right. And so many people have a problem and don't even realize that they have a problem. <laughs> they haven't connected the symptom to the wheat. Now, tip number five to help you get a better night's sleep is to exercise early in the day. Exercise will reduce your stress and it can then help you rest. But do it early and ideally before dinner. If you do it later, especially right before bed, you're going to be stretching your muscles and you're going to be actually waking your muscles up. So this is not the best way to get ready for sleep. Exercise helps prevent depression and heart disease. It also helps to ease symptoms of sleep apnea and insomnia. And that's because it's strengthening all of your muscles, your breathing muscles, so your throat muscles, All are being strengthened when you exercise. So it's not just your arms and legs and midsection that's getting the workout here. You can do gentle things like walking, stretching, yoga. Lifting weights and swimming. All are very effective, again, early in the day. For tip number six, we want to give you some natural remedies to help you sleep. The first thing is chamomile tea can help you to relax. Aromatherapy uses your olfactory senses, that's your sense of smell, to aid in health issues. Lavender, for example, is used for its ability to calm and relax. I like lavender and I use it to spray on my pillow sometimes at night to help me relax. Another thing that we do is we take melatonin. And melatonin helps some people to sleep better. It does us. And by the way, if you take any prescription medications, you always want to inform your doctor of the herbal supplements that you are taking so that you can avoid any adverse reactions with your medications. Remember, as we said just a bit ago, herbs are drugs. We said caffeine was an herb, which is a drug. 
Herbs are drugs. So even melatonin is a drug and it could possibly have effects, sometimes adverse ones, but it could have effects and you want your doctor to know about it. Now, next, we're going to talk about some special problems that disturb your sleep. The first thing we want to talk about is stress and why stress disrupts good sleep. The majority of people in advanced cultures suffer from the effects of stress. Stress is so universal today that our current description of stress is he or she is suffering from too much stress, in quotes, which implies that today it's normal to experience low-level stress all the time. What is stress anyway? Well, the dictionary says that stress is pressure or tension that is exerted on a material object. Let's just stay with this definition for a moment to see what it looks like in the real world. So let's take an eight-foot-long wooden two-by-four and support it on either of its ends by a stack of cement blocks. So the middle section of the two-by-four will now register some minute stress because of its own weight. Because of the internal fiber-like structure makeup of the wood, this two-by-four can easily manage that level of stress, the stress of its own weight. But now let's start piling some cement blocks on the top side of the two-by-four and just see what happens. Well, the first thing that will happen is the 2x4 will begin to bend or sag in the middle because of the weight of the cement blocks. The more cement blocks we add, the more the board will sag. The board's fibers are being stretched and broken and splintered. Now, first, we can't see this damage with our naked eye, but the damage is happening nonetheless. As we keep piling on more cement blocks, the board keeps sagging and we finally start to see the splintering and stress cracks on the underside of the board. Eventually, the weight of one last cement block will break the 2 by 4 in two. Right. The same is true with people. Most people go about their day-to-day routines juggling all kinds of tasks. Some are a breeze, some are harder, and some are out and out a pain in the butt. By the way, it's important to note here that a task that is a breeze for one person can be extremely stressful to another. That's true. But then, because of the nature of life in advanced cultures, people begin to add more and more tasks to juggle. And often the tasks themselves become harder. You get a new boss and he or she is authoritarian and demanding. You get a new co-worker and that person's a pain to work with. Your kids need to get to school and you need to get to work, but the car won't start. And it's three below zero outside. These things begin to build your stress levels. And just like the two by four, your own fibers, physical, mental, emotional, become stretched, broken, splintered. At first, no one can even see the damage, just like in the two by four. But already, it's affecting your sleep. Eventually, like the heavy sag of the 2x4, this added stress becomes apparent in people's behavior. They become irritable and out of sorts. They snap at others. There are more incidences of road rage. Stress causes mental and emotional anxiety, which leads to physical tension in your body. This tension prevents you from sleeping well. The loss of restful sleep adds to more stress in your waking state. It's a vicious cycle. 
Here are just a few of the more obvious problems that'll show up in your daily life after a period of stress-caused poor sleep. Number one, inability to concentrate. Number two, weakened immune system, which will manifest in frequent colds and other even more serious illnesses and poor health in general. Number three, forgetting things. And number four, making more mistakes than usual. Number five, apathy toward life, eventually leading into depression. Number six, your pain senses are heightened, so you may experience more aches and pains. Number seven, other systems in the body and mind can become compromised. And number eight, you'll begin to neglect your body's needs like eating, bathing, shopping, etc. And as you can see, as the list got longer, the symptoms got more serious. And it can be really hard to not have good sleep, especially due to stress. Stress is so unavoidable, it's important to identify what is causing your stress in the first place and then to take steps to reduce it. Here are some things that we've isolated that may cause the stress. Number one is pain. Number two, unhappiness or depression. Number three, loneliness or lack of social contact. And you might think, hey, I can do this. Hey, I don't need anybody. But that's just not true. Number four, helplessness or worry over important issues like money or health or your family. Number five, general physical condition. And number six, lack of exercise. And those two definitely go together. Certainly do. Number seven also goes with that is working too hard, which then leads to lack of exercise, which then leads to general overall bad physical condition. Number eight is carrying too much responsibility. So we say delegate some. Number nine is not managing your time well. And number 10, an unhealthy diet. Which again, loops back into not having good enough exercise and then having a general overall ill health because a lot of it all starts with diet. Number 11 is negative unhealthy thinking. And number 12 is not getting enough rest. Well, so much stress leads to losing sleep and then losing sleep leads to more stress and that leads to losing more sleep. And boy, you could see where that cycle's going, couldn't you? It gets bad. Now, another thing that can affect your sleep is illness, and especially a chronic one. Illnesses that don't necessarily go away, but have to be managed, can cause discomfort and easily affect your sleep. Some of these are things like arthritis, diabetes, lupus, Alzheimer's disease, Parkinson's disease, multiple sclerosis, and HIV AIDS. These illnesses may make people tired or sleepy during any time of the day or night, and they wreak havoc on your ability to have a routine sleep pattern. Sometimes this contributes to insomnia, which makes life even more difficult, often even painful, physical pain. And drugs used to treat these illnesses may also cause sleep interference. Just the inability to function normally can also cause extreme depression and unhappiness. That makes relaxation and sleep very difficult. Well, what can you do about these chronic illness sleep problems? Because there's got to be something. You've got to live with it. You need some help. Well, here's some ideas. 
Take the steps that we presented earlier to prepare for sleep before you actually try to go to bed. You can ask your doctor or a specialist who works with sleep disorders to suggest behavioral modification programs that may be helpful to you. These therapists will suggest things like biofeedback, relaxation, sleep restriction, I've tried that, and cognitive behavioral techniques. And hypnosis is another option. You can also use a trained hypnotherapist or you can use a recording. You can always start with the recording and then if you don't get your satisfaction, move up to the actual hypnotherapist. As a last resort, there are medications that can be prescribed to help you sleep. If you use sleeping pills, however, be cautious about them and especially long-term use, in other words, more than a couple of weeks. Right, and that's because people build up tolerances to these medications, and they can become dependent on them too. Some people also have some really weird or even dangerous side effects, like sleepwalking or sleep cooking or sleep driving, etc. Kira's mom lived with us for a short time, oh, a few years back, and she was having problems in this area. And one morning we woke up and the stove was on. Thankfully, there wasn't a pot on top of the gas burner, but the stove was on and we couldn't figure out what in the blazes was happening. But we finally figured out a few nights later that she was getting up in the night, not even realizing what she was doing, cooking food, and then she would leave stuff on and go back to bed. (laughs) And sometimes I'd wake up and find the water on in the bathroom, and I knew she had been in there and just didn't turn the water off. Obviously, she's sleepwalking. Now, every situation is completely different. Every person with a chronic illness has different needs. So your unique illness or circumstance may be such that you need a special integrative or functional physician who will really listen to your individual concerns and really offer some powerful suggestions to help you. I believe that's true. Remember, you know, sleep disorders are serious, and they need to be addressed by both a patient and a qualified medical practitioner. By the way, some psychiatric patients may have sleep disorders that are way beyond the scope of this podcast. So treat those with special care, And if you're listening and you know someone who has this need, help them get the help that they do need. Absolutely. Now, another thing that affects sleep is menopause. And being a woman, I understand this one very well. As many as three out of four women going through menopause have what are called hot flashes. I was one of them. And this is a condition in which a sudden feeling of warmth spreads all over your whole body and it creates discomfort, and sometimes you have profuse sweating, too. And these hot flashes can last actually up to about five years. can make it very hard to get a good night's sleep. Five years is a long time to feel sleepy. For years, hot flashes were treated by hormone replacement therapy. But studies have shown now that this approach can cause increased risks of breast cancer, heart disease, blood clots, and even strokes. The latest research suggests that hormone replacement therapy treatments of extreme menopausal symptoms are now being used at the lowest possible dose for the shortest possible time. 
Doctors have also prescribed antidepressants or even other drugs to help alleviate menopausal symptoms. Some of these have varying degrees of success. Yes, and you know, there are a lot of natural over-the-counter herbal remedies that are sold in health food stores. And one that I personally used is estrogen. I think it was helpful. Soy products contain phytoestrogens, which some women claim have helped them, although research hasn't demonstrated that soy is effective for hot flashes. Black cohosh, a perennial plant sold in pill and capsule form, is used by some women to alleviate hot flashes. Black cohosh is one of the ingredients in estrogen, and I think it did help me, and it helped me to have a sense of well-being. I just felt better, more positive, more myself. Other suggestions to help alleviate the night sweats are to wear loose clothing to bed and especially choose clothing that has natural fibers so that it can breathe. Keep your bedroom cool and well-ventilated and avoid foods that may cause sweating. So don't eat the spicy stuff right before bed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or pay the consequences. Now, something else that really affects sleep for women is pregnancy. Pregnant women wake frequently due to an increased need to urinate. Sleep can also be disrupted due to the normal stresses of pregnancy, both the physical and emotional ones. Emotional concerns or worries often accompany pregnancy, especially for new mothers. You know, her body is working hard to grow that baby, and this makes her tired and prone to naps during the day. But again, as we said earlier, they should be short, cat naps or they'll disrupt your rhythm. During the second trimester, it may be a little bit better because the baby moves up within the woman's body and the pressure on her bladder is lessened. But then again, in the third trimester, we have further problems because the belly's growing large and there's the growing weight that makes the pregnant woman uncomfortable. And it can be difficult to find a comfortable position in which to relax. And this adds even more stress. She might have problems like leg cramps, heartburn, and even sinus congestion. And this is common in the third trimester as well. And this is especially because those hormones in the body are getting your body in shape so that it's more elastic when it is giving birth. Now, frequent urination also becomes a problem again because the baby is getting so heavy that it's definitely putting pressure on the bladder. And this is not going to lessen until the actual delivery takes place. So this is something that's going to have to be managed and not fixed. Mm -hmm. And, of course, as you're ending the pregnancy or getting toward the end of it, you're having all these peaking emotions and anxiety, and you're tired. You're carrying around this big, heavy weight all the time. And this really does add to your inability to sleep at night. So we put together a few little suggestions here to help a pregnant woman get ready for sleep and actually enjoy a better sleep. So the first suggestion is, well, I like this one, eat high-carb foods before bed. You like that one anytime, whether you're pregnant or not. I know, I know, and I didn't need to be pregnant to like that. I just like that. You know, a little pie might Uh not hurt either. (laughs) An ice cream, sure. Ice cream? Oh, yeah. You want to add some protein to sustain your blood sugar and help you prevent headaches and bad dreams at night. Yeah, turkey leg. Yeah, yeah. Mm. (laughs) 
Also, another thing that's really good, I think, and I used this a lot when I was pregnant, is using extra pillows to make yourself more comfortable and prop yourself up. Prop that weight up so you don't have to feel it pulling on you all the time. Now, if you've got a little CD player in there, you can put on some relaxing recordings and even some soothing music might help the new mom. And here's another one that we used way back when. Loving gentle massage can be beneficial. Yes, very beneficial. And you need to understand that your anxieties are normal. You know, you don't have to be super mom. So discuss your feelings with those who love you. Don't keep it all inside. Above all else, talk to your doctor if you're seriously having trouble with your sleep. Depending on your circumstances, there may be other natural herbs or dietary supplements that you can take. So your doctor will know some of these and also some good friends who have been through this before can help you in this area. Don't go it alone. Try to connect and integrate. So important. We're going to take a break here for a moment to thank a sponsor. This segment of our podcast is sponsored by BulletPad, the fun and intuitive app for writing outlines and organizing your thoughts on your iPad. With BulletPad, you can quickly create a hierarchical list of bullet points, giving structure to your great ideas. BulletPad is a great tool for writers and thinkers, featuring a simple but powerful toolbar above the keyboard to help you navigate your text with arrow keys and to change the indent of your bullet points. Use drag and drop to move your bullet points anywhere in the list. Use the zoom in feature to drill down on any section of your list or use zoom out to get the big picture view. BulletPad is available now for free. Just go to the App Store on your iPad and search for bullet pad. Now, another thing that affects our sleep is aging. There are a lot of special things that do affect older people. One of them is physical limitations that are due to illnesses. Now, another, and this is becoming so common today, death of a loved one, especially a lifetime partner, causes the empty bed syndrome. And it's very, very difficult to get past this. It's something that you kind of have to go through the grieving process and you really have to find a way to come to grips. You put your arm out and that place in the bed is empty. So it's hard. It's very hard. Also, along with older age comes often retirement. These days, people are retiring a little later, especially due to the economy today. But Being less active can really disrupt your sleep and your wake patterns so that you're out of sync. And your retirement is also going to bring about symptoms of where am I and what am I and who am I? And I say symptoms because this is actually part of a disease syndrome that we're now fully studying and working with, especially with all of the baby boomers retiring these days. Their whole identity was wrapped up in their job. And this is true for moms as well. For women who never worked out of the home, and we all know that in the home is a lot of work. So as their children grow up and go off to their own lives, their empty nest syndrome is just as demanding and just as debilitating as when the working partner quits their job and doesn't have the identity of that job anymore. Right. There's a lot of anxiety that goes with change in life. 
Another thing that happens is that people as they age, and this is a very common thing that happens to people as they start to get into particularly like their 60s, they start to develop things like arthritis. And these are kind of age-related illnesses. Doesn't always happen. And if you have good health, as we try to promote here on the Better Loving Institute, hopefully you'll have less of this occurring. But arthritis is one that is debilitating for a lot of people, and it makes sleep very difficult. It's very painful. Every time you toss and turn, and if you've ever seen one of those movies, watching the people toss and turn all night long about 75 times, you'll know that that little bit of arthritis pain is going to affect your ability to move your muscles and move them smoothly. And so that little bit of pain will always nag at you, even if it doesn't fully awaken you. It sure does. I heard my mother complain about it many times. Now, one thing that comes actually earlier than the ages that we're talking about this moment is sleep apnea. That will often hit people in their late 30s or especially in their mid-40s. And this is a condition where they get a little extra fat around their neck. They get additional fat within their soft tissues in their throat. And as they go to sleep, these soft tissues tend to fall down upon the esophagus opening and tend to block the opening so that they actually struggle to get a breath. Right. And sometimes they actually don't get a breath. So sleep apnea can be very, very dangerous. And it's something that you do want to address with a professional if you have this kind of problem. And believe me, if you have it and you have a partner, that partner is going to notice because usually sleep apnea is also accompanied with a very loud and obnoxious buzzsaw kind of snoring. This is not a normal condition because it'll be snore, 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 and then all of a sudden silence. And at irregular intervals. And that's when you're choking. (laughs) And you're keeping your partner awake all night. This is a... But you're keeping yourself awake all night too. Mm -hmm. So you could be actually not breathing up to 60% of the whole night. Mm -hmm. Pretty, Pretty hard. And you can have a lot of health issues as a result of this. Some people have heart attacks. You know, some people just, as I said, don't wake up in the morning. So another thing that affects older people is restless leg syndrome. And this is when your legs are aching and you move a lot during the night. And it's sort of an unconscious thing, but you're moving your legs to avoid the pain. Heartburn is another area that affects sleep in older people. And an enlarged prostate for men can cause problems. That can also make a man need to urinate more frequently like what happened when the woman was pregnant. Alzheimer's disease will affect your sleep because you're definitely not yourself and you're waking up wondering where you are, who you are, and it's causing problems and emotions and issues, many of which you can't cope with because of, again, the Alzheimer's problem. Another thing that is very common that affects the sleep of the aging is the medications that they take. A lot of these medications have that side effect. And so, once again, you need to talk about these things with a health practitioner or someone who can help you to make the adjustments that you need in your medication so that you can get that good night of rest. Because, once again, sleeping is so important. You know, it's really impossible to function well in your life and be happy if you're not getting enough sleep. 
So we do want you to see a professional if you can't find a natural or behavioral remedy for your problems. It's just far too important to ignore, like Bill said. Your health and your very life could depend on it. Well, Kira, I think we're getting to the end of our sleep podcast, Why Restful Sleep is Crucial to Your Good Health. I think we are. Again, we'd like to mention that we really enjoyed the End Your Sleep Deprivation website, and we invite you to visit it. We think that you'll find additional information on healthy, restful sleep that'll add to our podcast. So, from the Better Living Institute, happy sleeping. Happy sleeping. (laughs) Before we leave, we do want to say to the audience that we're not healthcare providers, and nothing that we say here should be misconstrued as medical advice. It's not meant to treat, diagnose, or prescribe anything. Everything that we share here is our own opinions based on our own personal research and experimentation. That is our show for today. Bill and I want to thank you for being with us. You can subscribe to our show by going to the iTunes podcast and just look for the Better Living Institute Healthy Tips podcast. Or you can also find us on the web at www.betterlivinginstitute.com. There you will find all of our podcasts, articles, and products. And if you enjoyed today's podcast, we hope that you'll share it with your friends and family. Thanks again for being with us. And please join us again next time. For the Better Living Institute, this is Kira and Bill Van Ittersum. So long for now, everyone. 